I'm going crazy cause real life sucks I might quit my job because I hate it so much But I got new books and like they're the best So let's talk about them cause I'm pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Hey everybody, welcome back to Pretty Much Obsessed. Uh, This is episode three officially, although sort of four because we split up our first one into a couple eps. Um, I am Dalton DeShane. I am Chris Trubeck. And uh, we are here to talk about comic books uh, for both new and old fans and other assorted nerdery and geeky stuff that's going on in our lives and that we are stoked about. Um... So, yeah, we're going to, we're changing up the format a little bit this week. We're trying to find something a little bit looser to give us a little bit more freedom to talk about what we want. A little bit looser. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we're playing it fast and loose this week. Uh, we're going to start with a segment where, uh, here's how it's going to work now. We're going to do a segment where we talk about uh, books that we're recommending for new readers. So these could be new series that are just starting. These could be good jumping on points uh, for a new reader. Or these could be old series that we are encouraging new readers to go back and check out because we think it's a worthwhile uh, thing to uh, read up on. I mean, you know, uh, the, the, gonna... whole, the whole concept for this show, right, was to just, we're going to talk about what we're, uh, what we're excited about. It's, yeah. it's kind of in the name. Yeah. So don't, don't uh, come, don't come here folks with, with your expectations about, uh, about formats and rules <laughs> and this has to go this way. Cause we don't care. We don't play by the rules. We don't play. We're too fast. We're a and couple loose rebels, two brothers on the run. All right. <laughs> it, I, I don't, that I don't had, know. That that sounded for a little bit like it might turn into like a uh, like we were heading towards a funny bit like a movie and then we trailer. never found yeah. any footing. No, it's okay. That we, happens we to me. We did not find our footing <laughs> happens there. Happens to me kind of a lot. <laughs> no, it's gold. Uh anyway, so we're going to start with uh Let's start you with know, what, uh, is is there any news? Any any good news updates you want to talk oh, about? Um Let's see what's Any been going exciting on. Exciting things this week. Uh, I've been looking into uh, next month uh, for Marvel. The Marvel Now initiative starts, so we're going to see a ton of new series coming from Marvel. A lot of uh, jumping on points for current ongoing series. Uh, the big relaunch happens next uh, in not this upcoming week, but the week after. So I've been kind of. You know, getting ready for the new series, deciding what I want to check out. I'll be, you know, giving reviews of all the number one issues here on this podcast. What is uh, what is Marvel now? So Marvel now is just the name of Marvel's publishing initiative for this fall, which is basically uh, just sort of a branding for like these are jumping on points. These are like the new series. This is where you get into comics right now. Come do it. Uh, it's pretty meaningless, but it's, it's, it's an excuse for them to, you know, relaunch all their books. And, uh, it's great for us because we'll be able to, uh, recommend places for, uh, people to start. Um, what about you? Did you hear any cool, uh, movie news, TV news, comic book news? Uh, how about some Nintendo news? Pokemon mm. game confirmed for the NX. Also, I, I, I heard about that. I understand it's been confirmed that that is going to be a hybrid, uh, portable and home console. So right, yeah. I mean, I just want to hear what the NX is. Yeah, um, I want to know more about that. But yeah, 
more than that, I want to know more about what kind of Pokemon game they're making because that's what I am about. Well, it's tricky because my concern with the NX is like if it is truly like both a a console and a portable, like an at-home console and a portable console, that's an amazing idea and I'm all about that, but I can't imagine we're there technologically yet to make like a satisfying home console that is also portable enough to actually carry with you. But did you imagine that we would have uh, in in 2008 the amazing motion sensor Wii controller remote? You know what? I I couldn't dream of it. (laughs) That probably (laughs) blew your mind as well. So... Yeah, so I'm I'm excited for my mind to be blown, but I want them to just go ahead and blow me already because <laughs> it's it's been a pretty long waiting period. That should be your slogan. Yeah, that's the name of this episode is Go On and Blow Me Already. There you go. Uh, also, Sun and Moon, Pokemon Sun and Moon look pretty amazing. I'm not going to dwell on oh, that. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I am so ready to get those games. Got all kinds of new, um, new forms confirmed. Have you seen any of that stuff? Yeah, the the new uh, Alola forms yeah. for a lot of the existing Pokemon. I'm pretty the stoked. New for, I'm pretty stoked for Ghost Marowak, Ghost Fire Marowak. Yeah, a lot of fun. You look sweet. I hope they make him strong. Uh, also, there is a Suicide Squad Justice League crossover that's going to be happening. Um, in comics. Yeah, have you heard about oh, it? Okay, no, I, I have mean, not. Obviously not. Um, I have not. It's going to be the first major crossover event since Rebirth launched. So. It's what about this Batman one that's going on right now? It's like this big Batman crossover event that started this week. The Monster Man? Yeah. I think the difference is that this, like, the Monster Man thing is, like, uh, an event that's happening across multiple uh, books. And I think Suicide Squad and Justice League is going to be, like, its own series. Oh, it's going to be, like, its own title. Its own limited series, yeah. Oh, okay. I think okay. That's, that's, yeah. more, that's, I see what that means. that's what I was driving at. Okay. So there's so, some speculation that that's going to tie into the Watchmen crossover that was teased back in the Rebirth issue. The, yeah. the big DC Rebirth issue, which I know you're not particularly excited for. I mean, I'll read it when it comes out so we can talk about it on the podcast, but I kind of wish they had let that IP lie. I am but. already... I'm already committed to loving it, so. <laughs> well, we'll we'll read it when it comes out and we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, sp- speaking of, the first section of this podcast when we are giving our recommendations will be spoiler-free. We will not be talking about spoilers for our new readers. But then after that, we're going to go into a segment where we're talking about the ongoing series that we're reading um, and uh basically talk about just our favorite books of the week. And that will have spoilers because a lot of these are in the middle of story arcs. Um, so just be mindful of that. With the, uh, with the minor caveat, like I want to say for, for this first, for the recommendation segment, which is yeah, spoiler free, you know, yeah. spoiler free as long as you're not one of those people that we're going to say like the name of a character that's in the book and you're going to be like, oh, spoilers, you know. I mean, yeah, we're not I went gonna... to college with a guy that like he didn't want to hear if you liked a movie because he thought it was a spoiler. Yeah, like if you thought it was good or not. Like, we're gonna talk about the books, kind of, but we won't reveal anything like any plot points. Yeah, if we deem it to be like a twist or like a major plot point, you know, uh, we'll we'll keep that hidden. Um, but then segment after that, all bets are off. Oh yeah, we're just going to intentionally spoil everything. <laughs> the best parts of everything. No, I'm just kidding. Keep listening. Don't turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we're really digging a hole for ourselves right off the bat, <laughs> episode three. This was supposed to be the best episode so far. We literally, just before we hit record, we were telling each other, like, this is the best episode we've ever recorded. Uh, and uh, there's still, but there's, let's, uh, there's still a lot of, uh, there's still, there's still a lot of potential here, I think. Oh yeah, we're, we're going to build. Uh, let's get to what we're good at and talk about some comic books. Chris, uh, what were your what are your recommendations for new readers this week? Uh, what what do you have to to tell people to get into? Well, are we when are we going to talk about Killer Be Killed? Is that in is that in this segment? Yeah, I was going to talk. That's what was going to be one of my recommendations. Okay, okay we'll wait. We'll wait yeah. then for that. Yeah. Um, I was just going to talk about. I don't really have anything new or timely to talk about this this round, uh, but I did want to talk a little bit about Secret Six because it's one of my all time favorite series. Uh, it was a pre-New 52 run uh, that went from September 2008 to October 2011. It was done by Gail Simone. And nice. Secret Six is a team name that has been kind of recycled continuously by DC for a long time. But this particular incarnation of that team um, is largely, you know, in a lot of ways distinct from all others. And uh, it's essentially a team of villains, villainous characters from the DC universe, all sort of banded together to take on missions uh, like as mercenaries, basically. and the- Sort of similar to Marvel's Thunderbolts, if people are familiar with that. Okay, haven't read it. Okay. But the team is made up of Deadshot, Bane, Catman, who a lot of people won't know about. And he's kind of an interesting character because for a long time he was sort of a joke. But in mm-hmm. through this series you see him trying to kind of redefine himself and come back as... A serious character, and he does really kind of prove himself as being pretty badass. And then Ragdoll, who is uh, the son of the original Ragdoll, uh, Peter Merkel. Uh, Scandal Savage, who is the daughter of Vandal Savage. And both of those two characters, Ragdoll and Scandal, were created for uh, this team. They debuted in Villains United, which was what kind of debuted this incarnation of the Secret Six team in 2005. And then there's another character that they created... uh, just for this team in the Secret Six run uh, by the name of Jeanette. And she's like a banshee who's been alive for thousands of years and is all obsessed with death and she can smell death coming and things like that. Uh, So I just wanted to recommend that because it it really was one of the series that got me back into reading comics and the one that kind of cemented my love for reading DC comics. And as much as I love it, there's a lot of criticisms of it because a lot of the writing is kind of like some of the dialogue kind of falls flat some of the plot points are kind of muddy but it's so much fun just to get into this group of characters and feel like you're part of it it, it kind of is like you form a very personal connection with all of these kind of twisted deranged villainous characters because you see them in their day-to-day life living together in this house and kind of forming these weird friendships that they that they form over time together and you feel like you're part of it and the characters become very relatable, very raw and gritty and it's just something that it it holds a really special place in my heart. So I would okay. strongly recommend checking out uh the unhinged story arc that runs from issue 1 up to issue 7. How many issues total was uh, Secret Six, approximately? Oh, that's a good question. Said it ran for, like, what, three years? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. I'm not sure exactly how many issues there were in total. 
So what's the distinction exactly between Suicide Squad and Secret Six? Because sort of similar ideas, right? It is kind of similar ideas. Maybe different in tone. Um, One thing I'll say is I feel like Secret Six is a little more humorous and a little more fun. Okay. And, I mean, more technically speaking, I mean, the Suicide Squad is a bunch of prisoners, and they're in prison, and they're doing black ops missions for the government. And they're, like, being forced to do it, Yeah, right? whereas Secret yeah. Six is just kind of, like, these misfit characters from the DC universe that kind of band together because they don't really have anything else to do. And they're just kind of, like, yeah. together working to make money. Uh, they originally... Every incarnation of the Secret Six is originally formed by someone who's under the codename Mockingbird, and it always ends up being someone different. So okay. I won't tell you who is the Mockingbird in this series because that would be a big spoiler, but... Uh, you know, that basically is the premise, is that they're brought together by Mockingbird, they start doing missions, and then eventually uh, they kind of are together just because they just get used to it, and they kind of mm-hmm. form really strong bonds with one another. Cool. Sounds good. Check it out. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say at the top, uh, but I'll mention it now, all the comics that we talk about today, uh, of course, can be purchased online through Comixology. Uh, DC and Marvel also have their own apps where you can uh, purchase comics from those publishers right through their own apps. Uh, And of course, uh, your local comic shop, most importantly. Uh, Go support your local comic shops. uh, Keep those people in business. You'll meet a lot of really interesting people there that uh, are you know passionate about the same stuff you are. Uh, talk to the people that work there. They will, I'm sure, have great recommendations for you. Um, and uh, as far as, yeah. and yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I would wager that a lot of these Secret Six back issues would be kind of difficult to track down. Yeah, so and talk to the owner of your comic shop and maybe they can hook you up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, you know, if you do find a series that you like, support it, pre-order it at your local comic shop, let them know that you're interested in it so that they order enough copies for you and keep uh, keep that title going. Um, which is uh, an issue especially dear to my heart after news recently that Nighthawk from Marvel has been canceled due to low sales. Uh, it was one of the best titles they had, and it looks like uh, issue six is going to be its last issue. It's a bummer. So, Do you think that that is because people weren't reading it or because people were not paying for it? Um, probably both. Uh, Nighthawk was a little bit of a deep cut Marvel book. You know, uh, Nighthawk is not a, a character familiar to most readers. Um, so without specifically being recommended it or with, you know, displays and advertisements for it, uh, people probably weren't just going to pick it up on their own. And the people that would pick it up, the people that are deep into the comic world, uh, a lot of those people might be obtaining their comics through other means. Um, and, uh, that might contribute to it too. Sure. So the moral of the story is go to your local comic book shop. Uh, it's a cool hangout. Uh, we got one here right by my train station. So on my way to work, I can stop in at the comic shop and pick up books every week. Um, and uh, it's great. I want to keep that place there. Yeah. I've got a lot of comics to talk about this week. I'm going to tell you guys, uh, this was a busy week for me. I read so many titles this week. Um, but for my recommendations, uh, I wanted to keep it to the indies this week. Uh, we've been talking a lot about DC new series, uh, new number ones and everything like that. Um, and next 
episode or in a couple more, we'll probably be talking about a ton of new Marvel series. But right now, before all that picks up, I want to talk about some great new independent series that have just started up in the last couple weeks, uh, all of which only have one or two issues, and I strongly encourage you pick them up. Um, I'm going to start with Hadrian's Wall Number 1, written by Kyle Higgins and Alex Siegel, with art by Rod Reese. Um, it's All of these are out on Image Comics, by the way, a great independent and creator-owned uh, publisher, uh, meaning that all of the uh, creators own their own characters and intellectual property uh, and um, basically get freedom to write whatever they want. So it's a uh, Image publishes a lot of great titles, and these are some of them. Uh, so Hadrian's Wall number one um, is sort of a sci-fi space detective book. Um, if you're into like uh, sort of you know noir detective stories, um, while at the same time being interested in like you know uh, stranded in the middle of space things like Alien or uh, Dead Space, um, definitely check this out. Uh, it's about a it, the comic opens with an astronaut uh, in the sort of cut loose in the middle of space with a crack in his helmet who ends up dying. It's not a spoiler. It happens on the first page. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a detective uh, is sent to the uh, spaceship where he worked to investigate his death and see what caused it. And this detective, uh, it turns out the person that died is the detective's ex-wife's new husband. So very kind of, you know... Uh, classic sort of noiry detective relationships there. Uh, and he goes out to kind of, uh, to this spaceship called Hadrian's Wall, this just kind of freighter ship out in space in the middle of nowhere to figure out what happened. There seems to be some sketchy stuff afoot. Um, it's just starting out now, but if you're into that kind of detective story, um, definitely check this book out. It seems like it's going to be really cool. And the art is uh, pretty amazing. It definitely feels kind of claustrophobic and dark, uh, which uh, gives it a really great atmosphere throughout the book. Um, also brand new this week, uh, a big anticipated book for me, Seven to Eternity Number 1, written by Rick Remender, art by Jerome Opeña, and colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Uh this was a book I picked up purely for the art. Uh, I read the synopsis of it, and I wasn't crazy interested in it, but the promo art for it was so gorgeous, I had to just kind of see what it was about. Um, and uh, it's not all fully explained yet, but it's sort of a uh, dark kind of violent fantasy uh, book about... Um, this family that lives in this world that's been overrun by this man called the God of Whispers. Uh, and it's unclear exactly what the God of Whispers sort of power is, but he has gained control of their sort of kingdom using lies and manipulation of the people and uh, scaring them into thinking that their lives are at stake um, and they need to obey him and comply or else... Uh, you know, uh, danger will befall them and their family. And, uh, it's about this family that sort of rejected the God of whispers and went out to the woods to live on their own, uh, until years later, the God of whispers comes and takes revenge on them, killing the father. And the son goes on sort of a mission of revenge to go and kill him. Classic kind of, you know, fantasy revenge plot. Uh, 
But the artwork on this is completely gorgeous. The design of the characters, of the world, of the animals uh, is really unique. Um, it's well written. So if you're into that kind of fantasy uh, story, I recommend checking it out. It, I'm definitely going to stick with it as well because even though fantasy isn't always really my preferred genre, um, there was a good twist at the end um, that I'm not going to spoil, but I'll just say that uh, I expected this, as most fantasy stories are, to be kind of a journey story, you know, with the character saying, I'm going to avenge my father, but the story really being about the journey he goes on on his way to find the God of Whispers. Uh, and, you know, there's not really a big twist on the last page or anything, but I'll say that it doesn't go there. It, that It doesn't do what I was expecting it to do. So I'm definitely going to keep up on it to see... Um, where it does go. Uh, I'm definitely interested. And Rick Remender is a great writer. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's another uh, pick. I've got God two of, more from God Image. God of Whispers oh, does not sound like a very uh, intimidating thing to be the god of. I'm pretty sure that that's what they call him. Well, the whole point is that he did not rule the kingdom through bloodshed or war, but rather through manipulation and lies. Okay. Um, I believe he's called the God of Whispers. Uh, yeah, the God of Whispers, but at the, their family calls him the Mud King um, out of sort of disrespect for him. Okay. Um, but at least, like, look up the artwork for this because there's some double-page spreads in here that are just honestly breathtaking. I'm going to show Chris over our FaceTime camera right here if I can. Some of these beautiful, like, didn't you send that? Lighting. Didn't you send that to me? Yeah, I think I sent you some of the artwork on here because I was so blown away by yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, if you're looking for a lot of story, um, there are two issues out right now of a new series called The Black Monday Murders by Jonathan Hickman uh, with art by Tom Coker and colors by Michael Garland. Uh if you're not familiar with Jonathan Hickman, uh, he did a couple really great runs with Marvel, uh, including a three-year run on the Avengers and a three-year run on Fantastic Four, uh, both of which were sort of critically acclaimed. I sort of think of Jonathan Hickman as the Christopher Nolan of comic books in that his comics tend to be very smart and sort of uh, dense and mind-bendy. Not exactly a whole lot of uh, warmth and emotions, though, you know. Uh, so if you're looking for, like, a feel-good comic with uh, relatable characters and funny banter, Jonathan Hickman's not necessarily for you, but if you're looking for really dark, twisting, mind-bending kind of books, uh, then definitely check out The Black Monday Murders. What's awesome about The Black Monday Murders is that so far, both issues have been gigantic. Instead of the normal like 20-page issues you get from publishers these days, each of these two issues is 60 pages on its own, and it's still just the price of a normal comic. Um, uh, it's definitely a dense read. It's about um, this sort of secret cult society um, who monitors like the stock markets and the economies and sort of has this dark hand in like the crashes and rises of the, uh, of the stock market. Um, and sort of their role in global economics through the years, but there's sort of a shadowy organization, uh, their ritual sacrifices, lots of blood and murder. And it's about one detective who is trying to find their secrets and expose them. Um, so if you're into kind of the dark occult stuff while also like looking for something that is uh, 
pretty relevant right now because it's about a lot of the various economic crises, um, but with sort of more of an occult dark take on it. Um, definitely uh, check this one out. It's a lot of bang for your buck. I mean, just getting these two issues is basically like reading an entire graphic novel. Uh, and there's a lot more to come from there. Uh, both issues warrant a lot of rereading too. He goes into a lot of details about these uh, cult organizations and what their sort of uh, hierarchy is like um, and the various hands they have uh, in, uh, in our economic system. Um, so definitely a thick read, but if you're looking for a smart, uh, well-thought-out comic book, uh, and if you like sort of like uh, the mind-bending stuff of Christopher Nolan, like Inception or um, Interstellar, Memento, things like that, I think Jonathan Hickman is a safe bet for you. I've not, I've not um, actually seen Inception. Really? You're such a Chris Nolan Batman fan. Uh, I am, and that's like the only... Those are the only movies I'm really familiar with from him. I've heard that Inception just it doesn't actually make sense. Oh, it makes it makes total sense. I would say we'll we'll talk about it. So you we should have like a you understand Inception. I would say so. I'm skeptical. Okay, I'm gonna watch it now so we can have an Inception episode. I would say that it's actually pretty clearly explained, but there's just a lot of explaining. That's like yeah, one thing that Jonathan I, well, I've Hickman. I've also heard that Ellen Page's character basically exists as a vehicle for people to to explain, explain the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that's a that's a thing with Nolan is that a lot of his characters are more devices than they are fleshed out characters. Um, have you seen Interstellar? No. We should have. Uh, I'm going to be uh, in Michigan with this guy next week. We're going to do an episode next week where we're actually in the same room together. Special edition. So expect uh, inferior expect sound us, quality. Expect us to be nude and sitting on each other's laps but you the whole won't interview. No about it. Well, do we? Uh, are we going to upload some photos to the Twitter page? Uh, maybe. Maybe we'll watch uh, some Chris Nolan movies. Speaking of the uh, Twitter page. Tweet oh, we have a Twitter page. PM Obsessed. That's the Twitter handle now. PM stands PM for PM Obsessed. PM stands for pretty much. Uh, oh, I get it I now. I don't know what you thought it stood for, but <laughs> PM Obsessed. Tweet at us. Um, tweet to me. Tweet at us. Tweet. Let tweet us know if there's any tweet. books that you want us to talk about. We'll cover them. Uh, let us know uh, if what you think of our jokes. Tell us if we're funny. If there's maybe if there's like a song you want us to cover. Yeah, we could do some live performances on here. We're not going to do that. I'm kidding. Don't do it. Uh, I think we got one last recommendation, and this is one that we both read, I believe, uh, which is Killer Be Killed, uh, number one or two, one and two. I just read them uh, this today. They were... Again, by Image Comics, uh, written by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Elizabeth Brightweiser. Or not written by all of them, but they are the creative team on here. The uh, book doesn't actually delineate who did what. Uh, I assume it's written by Ed Brubaker, art by Sean Phillips, and colors by Elizabeth Brightweiser, but who knows? Anyway, what did you think of it? I told you to read this one. I thought it was going to be right up your alley. I want to see what you think. Uh, it's amazing. It's great, right? Yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite yeah. things I've read since The Vision. Ed Brubaker, uh, a legend in comics, uh, had a great Captain America run, just like Rick Remender, who wrote Seven to Eternity. Um, it's about a lonely sort of sad sack guy who uh gets fed up one day and attempts to kill himself and ends up sort of uh regretting it as soon as he he jumps off a building immediately regrets it and then ends up surviving 
And then that night he is visited by a demon who tells him that uh, if he wants to continue living, he has to kill one person every month for the rest of his life. And if he doesn't kill someone, then he will die. Were those, um, were those spoilers? That's the premise of the book. Okay. I don't mean it. I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's how you hook people. You got to give them the premise. Okay. Uh so that's given in the first issue is the demon makes this deal with him. And then the series uh, seems to be exploring what happens when a regular dude who is depressed and doesn't have a lot going for him is now told that if he wants to live, he has to be a murderer and not just and a serial killer, essentially. Every month he has to kill a new person or else he will die himself. But didn't the demon actually specifically say that he has to kill people who deserve it? Did did the demon say that? I don't know. I thought I was hoping here. you would know. I know that he I f- makes that his goal because he yeah. doesn't want to kill innocent people. Um, let me let me look here okay, real he's, quick. So Dalton's fact checking that, but yeah, basically picture Elliot Smith in New York City with a gun, going around <laughs> trying to find bad people to shoot in the face. Really great writing here. But I it's, mean, it's yeah, it's. It's that that is like the premise of it, but it really is so much deeper than just like this kid going around trying to kill people because you the, yeah. the, the character relationships and the narration from the character from this main character is so good and so uh, heartbreakingly real in the way that he describes his life and his depression and what he's going through it I felt like this really strong connection to him and I'm kind of I'm kind of the type of type of person that I I really like books like uh, <clears throat> like those coming of age tales like Catcher in the Rye and stuff like that and I felt mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of vibe in this. Yeah, this is not just violence for the sake of making a violent comic book. It's really just sort of an exploration of our inner demons. In fact, one of the questions I have, you know, going forward is like did this demon really come to him or was it just something in his head, you know? Yeah. Um but the inner monologue for this guy is so real yeah and so uh authentic Which that I, like it, it really feels like a, a an actual person's diary that you're kind of reading i always a fucked up impossible diary but i i always feel maybe a little bit egotistical or narcissistic when i say that i like a book or a story because i really relate to the character but mm-hmm. whatever it is what it is because i really like the character and relate to him so yeah um so if you're looking for, you know, a dark, uh, this, this is pretty violent. It's a pretty violent book. Um, it's also, but, got, it's also pretty profane and just all yeah. around, not for kids. For mature audiences. Uh, speaking of that fact check, you are right. The demon says, you're going to kill for me. Bad people, people who deserve death. He says, one each month, we'll call it rent. Rent for the life you tried to throw away. But then, you know, again, how do we know that? That isn't all just part of his, you know, maybe he has this psychotic thing going on, like the psychotic break that he's going yeah. through. And he just hates so many people so much for being so horrible. And so he's rationalizing it as this demon telling him what to do. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely going to keep up with this book because it, from like the first page, this one really had me engrossed. Um and uh, I think it's going to be interesting to follow this kid and see, you know, how he grows and if he, you know, embraces this, like what happens to the other relationships in his life. Um, it's definitely going to be uh, 
It feels like a it feels like an event TV series. It feels like like the new Breaking Bad or something. Like this is like if this were on TV, this would be the show everyone's talking about. Yeah, and like even by know? the end of the first issue, I was emotionally invested in the character's relationship with the with the girl Kira. And that's so hard to do in a first issue. Right. It's so hard in like 20 pages of a lot of art and some dialogue to really make people invested in a character. You know, with Gotham and Gotham Girl, we were talking about in Batman, it took like five issues for us to care care about yeah, that. Yeah, and even now, um, I'm still kind of like, eh. You know, like, yeah, it, it's, if Gotham Girl dies in the next issue, I won't even really care that much. Yeah. But I feel like... I believe those characters in Kill or Be Killed. Yeah. Like I feel yeah. it, you know. Like when I yeah. see his interactions with her and stuff, I'm, I'm there with him. It's very, yeah. very powerful. Maybe that's yeah. just because it feels like things that I've been through. But I would wager that if they're things that I've been through, it's probably pretty common to other people too. So, yeah. So go check those books out. Um, we'll probably be talking that about them in the ongoings uh, in future episodes. And of course, those will be a spoiler. So if you don't want to hear spoilers for these, go and read the books yourself uh, and follow along with us. Is that all your recommendations? Those are my recommendations for the week. Uh, Image Comics putting out some great stuff. Moving on to spoilers. Moving on. Yeah, this is our ongoing section. We're going to talk about uh, some books we're reading week to week. I'm going to try to oh, keep my summaries a little bit shorter. Real quick, I will say that I, yeah. I did finally read the first Flintstones today. I have not read it yet. How was the Flintstones? It's good. It's pretty good so far. I feel it's like fine. I feel like people have set my expectations for it so high now that it, yeah. it like the first issue couldn't possibly live up to it. This this is we should explain. Uh, there's DC Comics is publishing a new Flintstones comic. Did we talk about this uh, a little bit on the last I, one? No, we talked about it in person. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. Okay. Okay. Uh, but apparently this Flintstone series has been getting great reviews. It's apparently dealing with like a lot of modern contemporary real world uh, issues but through the lens of the Flintstones. Um, it's, it's, so I haven't read it yet, but what I what I have kept hearing is that it's like very dark and very kind mm-hmm. of like uh, Polynook, like Fight Club. I heard about that for the third issue, especially. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't. There's not a ton of that like jumping out at you in the first issue, but you're starting to kind of get it um, pretty quick. And I should check this out. I'm definitely interested to to read. I will be reading more. All right. Well, I'm. I think I will too. So maybe we'll add Flintstones to our ongoing. I, yeah, list. I never thought maybe we'll talk about some Flintstones. I never, in the future. I never would have imagined. But it's, it's. But I still can't get you to pick up Jughead number nine. <laughs> it's not that I. It's not that I deliberately don't want to. It's just that I don't think about it. Josie and the Pussycats number one coming out this Wednesday. Uh, that I deliberately we'll see how that don't is. want to. <laughs> That one I will I will purposefully avoid. I almost put Archie number twelve on my list this week, but I spared you. Well, that's okay. I don't care if we talk about it. <laughs> Just I might. I don't know if. I mean, I'm going to read it probably. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so what are what are some what are some ongoings that you're excited about this week? Uh, Detective Comics. I am still enjoying that. It's good. Uh, which I guess I will be jumping on for next week because that Batman crossover is going to be taking place there. Okay. Uh, part three of Night of the Monster Men is going to be in Detective Comics next week. Is there anything out already with that that has started Monster Men? Yeah. This week, Batman number seven and Nightwing number five were parts one and two of Night of the Monster Men. Oh, okay. I didn't read. I didn't read Batman then. I guess it's okay. That, so there's a there's a new one since the one where 
Gotham Girl. The, yeah. the one that focuses on Gotham Girl, I don't want to say yeah. what happens because I don't want to spoil anything, but... I mean, we're in the spoilers section. Oh, that's uh, true. Okay, so the one... <laughs> so The one where she goes crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, yeah. The one where she shaves uh, her head and stuff. There has been a new one, but it's completely diverted from the Gotham Girl story to just be this Monster Men thing, which is being written by a different writer. And it's been good. I'm going to read it just so that I'm up to date, but I am kind of wishing it would just go back to what Tom King was building. Okay. I mean, this is kind of what he's building because this goes back to Psycho Pirate and uh, Hugo Strange. And I think it's like even in the this this explains sort of like who's the person that shot down that plane in the sky in the first issue. Uh, the dude that cuts his throat in front of Commissioner Gordon in issue number two. Uh, that stuff gets explained in this story. This cover, but, I'm looking at it right now. This cover is kind of cool. For, uh, for the Batman 7? Yeah. Yeah, and there's Batwoman on there, so we know that's that's kind of the giveaway that that's a crossover because uh, yeah. Batwoman is a very important character in detective detective comics right now. Yeah, it's Batman and Batwoman and Nightwing, and Batwoman's got this crew of like I guess Clayface is working for her now. Yeah, well, okay, so talking about Detective Comics, that is what is going on in Detective Comics, is that Batman Okay, yeah, has, getting back to a, one we were actually going to talk about. Yeah, Batman's assembled a team of... Batwoman, Clayface, Red Robin, Spoiler, and Orphan. Right, but Red Robin just died. Am I right? Ooh, wow. Big <laughs> big bomb big you just dropped. Um, big bomb. But I ask because they talk about it specifically in Batman 7 and in the whole Night of the Monster Men. The, Batman's whole motivation in these two issues was the death of Red Robin. It's super vague. And so vague, I was a little it's, confused about it. It's extremely vague as as to what his actual status is. Like everybody okay. thinks he's dead, but there's a little thing at the end of the issue of Detective Comics, which, gosh, what number is it? What number are we on? I'll find that out in a second. But at the end of the issue, there's this little thing where it's like he's in some kind of weird, like, you don't really know if he's in the afterlife or in some kind of other dimension, but it's kind of like he's very clearly going to continue to be part of whatever is going on. So I don't Mm -hmm. think he's like dead dead. It's just one of those fake dead things. Yeah, I just, the the reason I brought it up is, like I said, just in Night of the Monster Men, there's a lot of talk about it. Um, and I just didn't know what had happened. I thought maybe it was even pre-Rebirth. Seems, I, I thought it would be too early in Rebirth for them to be killing off characters. No, yeah, but. it just happened in Detective Comics 940. Okay, so Batman's reeling. Which is another thing I don't understand is why Detective Comics is still being numbered from 934 onward. As opposed yeah, to so is Action Comics too. Relaunching right? with just a number one, is it? Is Action Comics doing that too? I believe so. I think it's sort of like uh, yeah, out of right. respect to like the original titles, kind of thing. Maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, okay. That you know that makes sense because like because that's those where DC are came from. Those are the yeah. originals. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll accept that. Plus, then we get a great big issue one thousand coming pretty soon that they'll sell a billion copies of. I suppose they will. Yeah. But yeah, Detective Comics is a lot of fun if you haven't been reading it. Um, obviously, you'd have quite a bit of catching up to do at this point. 941 issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the the characters are really good. I don't know if Clayface, the way that they're writing him now as part of this team, is really consistent with the way he's been depicted through history. Mm-hmm. But he's, he is like, he's kind of a good guy now. 
Yeah, he's they've made him really sympathetic. But I don't I also don't care that much because I haven't really read the old books with him. So I, right. it's not like I'm that upset by it. Uh, and he's kind of a fun, interesting addition to the team. And Orphan is just so cool. She just shows up and just just kills everything. She's amazing. Well, she probably doesn't kill him because she's not allowed to. But like you can mm-hmm. tell that she would be killing everything if she wasn't part of Batman's team. You know, she's just like right. this super, uh, super hand to hand combat kind of like skills that absolutely rival Batman's. She's a really cool character. Uh, so yeah, I like Detective Comics. Go read it. Yeah, she was the one in this crossover that I was interested in. While we're on the talk of Batman, let's go ahead and talk about All-Star Batman number two. Okay. Um, Because here's what I'll say about All-Star Batman. We've gotten to two issues of this now. Last time we were a little split on it. We didn't know exactly what to think. Um, We liked it, but we didn't like parts of it. We were kind of back and forth. I'm still not crazy about it. Here's what I'll say about it is that we've got Tom King's main Batman line, which is building, it looks like, kind of a large story. It's dark. It takes its time. It's kind of the cinematic Batman story, Batman comic that you want. And this All-Star Batman so far is just Batman punches the shit out of a bunch of villains, and that's fine. That's all I want out of a companion Batman comic like i i feel like i have both sides that i need like i have the slow paced you know big storyline building one and then i've got let's throw like eight villains at batman at once and just watch him punch his way out of it and be smart like yeah i'm fine with that i will say every time it goes into like explaining two-faces motives or like what exactly is even fucking going on in this story it gets a little weak because I think the motivations for Two-Face's whole thing are still vague and unclear. I think everyone's acting a little bit out of character in their response to it. Well, I don't know. Isn't Two-Face's motivation pretty straightforward in that he's just trying to screw I up I guess it's not Batman's plan mo- to get him out of Gotham? I guess it's not his motivation. I think it's... Like we were talking about last to me, week, it's like, more oh, just Two Face can do this. Yeah, to me, it's that's yeah, like, what's he has vague. The power for this? Like Two Face just has like this incredible amount of power. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. Where that was did never that, explained. Where did that really come from? But and then they go back and they try to make like this touching flashback for Batman and Harvey, and that's all well and good. But like where this issue really shines is in the action that happens, and there's some great. Batman action sequences in here. Yeah, and I think it's funny how they keep doing these little theme teams. I didn't realize in the first issue that that's that was going to be a running gag almost, where yeah, you see the bug villains, the the bug assassins, uh, Firefly, yeah. and uh, what were the other ones? Black Spider, Firefly, and Venom something or Moth, some, something Moth. Yeah, I think it was Moth Man, Killer Moth, Killer Venom Moth, Killer Moth. There we go. Um, yeah, Moth Man prophecies. But, but <laughs> I almost said Venom Moth. <laughs> uh, and then we the most issue two we had um cheshire and uh copperhead like two poison experts right and then and you also have all like the giant just lunks yeah and i'm trying to you remember know, who, like, who those were killer was clock uh was killer crack killer one clock. of them killer croc is one of them king shark i uh, think was one king shark is one we also have uh Let's see. Um, Amygdala. Yeah, whatever it's the other like ones are, they're, three. they're characters yeah. I didn't really know, so I don't remember. But 
Yeah, so it's like take it's really digging into the well of like the rogues gallery. But, but it's then funny we that we're have... to understand that these villains all just like called each other up one day and they're like, "Hey, we share common elements. Yeah, let's team up." It's great. I mean, this is very just kind of like pulpy. Like I don't want to say, yeah, it's just kind of like a pulpy, maybe like even Batman the animated series type. Yeah, punch him up story. And if this were the main Batman title, I would probably be disappointed with it. But as a supplement to Tom King's Batman, sure, I think it's awesome. Sure, it's all I want. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the backstories, which we talked about a little bit last time, continues to be interesting. Uh, with them hunting down Zaz, who's been like torturing these people with all these like cuts and stuff. I don't know. And we discovered I ever that- actually read that. Oh, did you not read it? It's uh, so it it's is. Good. It is Zaz. It is Zaz. Oh, okay. There's a pretty great reveal of him at the end. Uh, and we find out that Duke's mom is apparently, like, insane. Okay. I didn't know Duke's backstory, but it kind of gives him a lot of... Uh, I finally, like, care about Duke after seeing, like, the sequence where he goes to visit his, like, insane mother. And, like, she's, like, threatening to kill him and stuff. And uh, I so. uh, need to read that now because I was really excited about a good Zaz story. Yeah, definitely go back and read it. It's uh, it's good to just kind of, like I said, for the millionth time, a good punch em up Batman story. Okay. I'm down with it. And then we've also got KG Beast coming in, coming in strong. In the main, t- in the main story? Yeah, at the oh, end, okay. Anatoly Kniazov. Oh, that's right. And it, it just says, a.k.a. Penguin the, and Black Mask and all yeah, that. Yeah, and it says, a.k.a. The Beast, and but but that's KG Beast. I guess they're just calling him The Beast now. I don't know. Okay. Who actually, he gets killed in Batman v Superman. Really? Yeah, but he's not. Okay. He's not. Someday they never even like movie. explicitly refer to him as KG Beast, I don't think, in the movie, but it's, I think, in the credits or something. Yeah, like he's in I in like the movie. He's Easter just like in. another one of those dudes with the gun, basically. But he's kind of like the leader, right? But Batman kills him because he does stuff like that in in this movie. So yeah, Batman just kills people now yeah. in the movies. So much easier. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> like what? Who needs like conflict? Um, just kill them all. <laughs> right. No. Uh, no drama. No drama in this <laughs> film. Uh, I hate to do this, but I'm going to go on a little bit of a spiel. For my next one, I love your because skills. I and th- but this is for you. This is just for you because we've been talking about Spider Man. You and I. I know you want to jump in on Spider Man starting next month. All right, tell me about Spider Man. Uh, so I wanted to talk about Amazing Spider Man number eighteen, which came out this week. Um, next month kicks off a major Spider Man uh, event called Dead No More uh, or Clone Conspiracy. I'm kind of confused as to what that distinction is. There's going to be like a, hearing it referred to as the Clone Conspiracy. There's going to be a core title called The Clone Conspiracy, and that's going to be the main Spider-Man title with all the other Spider titles kind of tying into it. But all of the Amazing Spider-Man books have been previewing this like before Dead No More. So I don't know if they're sort of related. I think they're going to be the same thing. Um, but this this week's issue catches us up on what's been going on with Dr. Octopus. And I wanted to catch you and the listeners up because I think this is going to be really important going into the clone conspiracy. All right. Um, there's two things. There's, there's, if you're jumping into Spider-Man, it's uh, next month with this clone conspiracy. There's going to be two major storylines you need to know. 
one is just the events leading up to this, which I'll talk about probably when the clone conspiracy starts. I'll talk about it on the podcast. But you also need to know what happened during Superior Spider-Man. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, so Susper- Superior Spider-Man uh, was a... Spider was the main Spider-Man title for, I think, almost two years, if I'm not mistaken. I should have done my research uh, just a couple years ago. And the whole premise of it is that Peter Parker gets in his final confrontation with Doc Ock. And in the process, Doc Ock is, gets killed. Hence why and, it's their final confrontation. Right. And as he's dying, Doc Ock pulls his final trick and switches consciousness with Peter Parker. So Peter Parker's entire mind and consciousness gets trapped in Dr. Octopus's dying body, and Dr. Octopus's consciousness is in Peter Parker's body. Why did and he so, not do that? Before? Well, okay. Okay, never mind. Keep going. <laughs> I encourage you to go back and read it, because I'm just going to give the broad strokes. Okay. Um, so Peter Parker dies in Doc Ock's body, and Doc Ock is now in Peter's body and has complete control over it. Um, so Peter Parker is dead. Yeah, but it turns out the transfer was not 100% clean, and there's a little weak remnant of Peter Parker left in Doc Ock's brain that's trying to take control back, and he's not able to. And so as in a last-ditch effort to stop Doc Ock from taking over the world in Spider-Man's body, Peter merges his own memories and consciousness with Doc Ock's. So... It's still Dr. Octopus, but now he has memories of being raised by Aunt May and Uncle Ben and his mother and being in a relationship with Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. He sort of has all of Spider-Man's history merge with his own. And so he's still Dr. Octopus, but now he feels the weight of the responsibility that Peter Parker felt. And so he doesn't want to be evil anymore. He feels like he needs to save the world. Um, now, up to this in, point, because I've never read a lot of Spider-Man comics other than mm-hmm. the Ultimate Universe stuff that I read, you know, a long time ago, mm-hmm. is Dr. Octopus, has he always been depicted as just a complete ruthless psychopath as opposed to – because what I'm familiar with is just the way he was depicted in the in the Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire where he is like this scary guy, but he's also kind of sympathetic – um, they kind of treat him as a, a madman who is mad because of a really sort of abusive childhood. Okay. Um, so, and you get some of that in Superior Spider-Man because you see a lot of Doc Ock's own history. And so he's just sort of this, uh, because he is a supervillain because of his tortured past, by merging his tortured past with a loving, nurturing past, it sort of rewrites who he is, you know? Um, and so now he wants to save people uh, and sets about being Spider-Man. But he's still Dr. Octopus, so he's still kind of an asshole. Uh, he's not the quip-making Peter Parker that we know. But he's also a lot more deliberate and scientific and sort of uh, does a lot more big-picture planning as the sort of mad scientist that he is. And he ends up making this army of spider robot spies that are all over the city looking for crime. He builds like this army of like henchmen uh, that 
patrol the streets for him and, you know, keep the crime down uh, that he is in charge of. Uh, As Peter Parker, he builds an entire corporation called Parker Industries that turns into like a global corporation uh, that he runs. He finds love in this girl named Anna Maria and starts dating her. Like he really puts uh, this whole brand new life together for Peter Parker. Um, but eventually after about, I think it was around 20 to 30 issues of this and, uh, which was amazing. This was by the way, a a, a fantastic run on Spider-Man. It's so good to read. Um, it's unlike any Spider-Man book you've ever read, uh, really critically acclaimed. Although when it was announced, the fans just went nuts and like sent death threats to the writer and everything as they, as they typically do, as they do. Um, but it's an amazing run, but it, Finally, all culminates in Doc Ock getting in over his head and the people he loves end up being in danger uh, and he can't stop it. Um, And so sort of finally the weight of the responsibility he has with the great power becomes too much for him and he realizes that he's not cut out for it. For all his planning and all of his genius, he really can't handle the weight of being Spider-Man. And so he finds this little, you know, kernel of Peter Parker still living inside him, and he essentially kills him, kills his own consciousness, and gives Peter Parker his body back uh, because he realizes that he alone can't save the people that he needs to save, but Peter Parker can. Wow. Um, and so he gives the body back to Peter, and Peter finds himself now the CEO of a global corporation. Uh, he finds himself in a relationship with a girl that he doesn't even know. Um, and uh, I feel like that story of redemption is kind of an epic meditation on the nature of good and evil. Oh, it's and it's so Spider-Man. It's so like it. It's absolutely like taking that theme of like with great power comes great responsibility, and shows how. You know, for all of his flaws, Peter Parker is, he lives that, you know? And for all the strengths that Doc Ock had as the superior Spider-Man, quote-unquote, he couldn't live up to it. So, um, really a fantastic story. Uh, But what we've come to find out recently is that, of course, Doc Ock is not truly dead. There is a part of his consciousness that escaped in some sort of robot, uh, and it has been hiding out in this AI bot that is an assistant. Is it an octopus robot? No, it's just, it's a sort of uh, old-fashioned looking assistant robot that just sort of follows around Peter Parker and the other Parker Industries people and like gets them coffee and stuff like that. He's called the living brain. How did he, how did he get, how did, so how did Doc Gock get into the butler robot? So that's what this newest issue of Amazing Spider-Man explains. And it kind of goes back to the end of Superior Spider-Man and shows, uh, how uh, it looks like in the rubble after Spider-Verse, which is another big Spider-Man crossover, uh, he ended up in this tiny little bug robot that then transferred the consciousness to the living brain. Um, And so he's just been kind of hiding out, waiting for his time, uh, because this is the actual evil Doc Ock. This is not the merged consciousness Doc Ock. This is the original Doc Ock's consciousness. Because... It's a piece it's sort of, of like his consciousness from before it got merged with Peter's. Exactly, Which yeah. was what made him, gave him the knowledge of, like, what it is to be good or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is pure evil Doc Ock, um, and he kind of makes his move uh, and ends up attacking Peter in this issue after he um, 
sort of flips out, uh, ends up self-destructing, and ends up in another little... The, Peter thinks realizes that Doc Ock is in there, the robot gets destroyed, and he thinks that takes care of him again, but uh, it ends with his consciousness being in another little mobile spider robot. Uh, so right now, Doc Ock's consciousness is on the loose, um, and will probably play in pretty heavily with what's coming in the clone conspiracy, especially since the premise of the clone conspiracy seems to be that the Spider-Man villain, the Jackal, has found a way to bring dead people back to life. And so he brought back the dead Electro, um, he brought back the dead Prowler, and uh, it seems like he's going to be bringing back other dead people from Spider-Man's past. Well, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that him. eventually there will be a clone of, of Doc Ock made somehow. That I think there's going to be a clone of Doc Ock. It seems like, his, though, that there... So that his consciousness can get back into it, and he can yeah. just be back. The previews, though, also show that maybe there's going to be clones of Gwen Stacy, of Uncle Ben that the Jackal might really try to mess with Spider-Man by bringing back some long-dead people uh, to to mess with him. So okay, that's what's coming up in Spider-Man. So that's a, a little summary of Superior Spider-Man. So um, will I be able to jump on soon and pretty much know what's going on? I think with the next issue of Spider-Man, it's is the jumping on point, I believe. Okay. Um, we'll talk about it in recommendations when it comes out. Uh but I think the next one is going to be the place to jump on. Sick. I love Spider-Man. Um, I want to hear what you thought of Black Panther number six. Still not into it? Ha- uh, have not read it yet. Oh, I thought you were catching but up. With I all am. Of them. I, so I'm catching up. So I know, I mean, I think I've gotten up to four or five. So okay. I pretty much I knew that we were going to talk about it, and I kind of was just going to ask you to tell me what happened <laughs> in six because I have not read it, but I know. I mean, now I know what's going on generally in the story. Yeah, um, and it, it is good. I like it. It's a good story. I would. I I think I said this on the first episode. Uh, I think Black Panther is maybe one of the best comic books I've ever read, but it's definitely for a specific audience. This is not, excuse me, this is not your typical uh, tights and fights yeah, kind of book. It's, so it's, I, I mean, I will say I have not found it to be super accessible. Uh, maybe that's because I'm just not very smart and I like to, I, I mean, I read comic books most of the time to kind of escape from this is a very like intellectual, philosophical, yeah. Yeah. political book. It, the, Black Panther demands your attention and yes. your um, kind of like involvement. It's not something that you just passively flip through and enjoy the colors. Right. This is it's written by I think I've said on here before Ta-Nehisi Coates. Uh, uh, Pencils by uh, Chris Sprouse on this issue, inks by Carl Story, colors by Laura Martin, although usually the art is by Brian Stelfries. He was on break for this issue. But Black Panther is really taking the concept of, okay, we've got this country of Wakanda, which is the most technologically advanced country in the world, but it also it's also still a monarchy. It's ruled by a king. It's recently been through war. It's recently lost a lot of citizens. It's been attacked. There's been devastation. How does a country like this still have a monarchy? And how does that monarchy hold together through such unrest? Well, people are and pissed, so, it seems like, that they have a oh, monarchy. They really don't want it. Yeah, the people are rebelling. And it's almost to the Black- point that you have to start to wonder, like, why doesn't Black Panther just step down and say, hey, why don't we have an election? Well, that is, and that's sort of, 
what I think is most interesting about that is do we root for Black Panther? Because the people have a point. Yeah. The people are right to have a revolution. I mean, it's so interesting because... Uh, and it's like, so the- I feel like, if if I may, I feel like yeah. he's, he's so wrapped up in trying to main, maintain control. And he seems to believe that what he... The, he's doing it for the good of the country. But yeah, I have to keep asking myself, like, but what is I, I'm like, did I miss something? Like, is there a reason why he has to be in control for the, for the good of the country? Or is he, well, he sort of a it, tyrant? He, he believes it because Wakanda is a very spiritual nation and comes from a long line of like, panther gods like black panther rules the the country because like he is the ancestor of like the panther gods uh or something like that his you know he comes from a long lineage of uh kings who speak to him like he can confer with the dead and like speak to his ancestors and stuff so sort of a spiritual thing that keeps the monarchy in place but does that spirituality have a place in a technologically advanced society now you know and I think that's a lot of what this talks about. And it's so interesting because uh, there's the Midnight Angels, which are these two badass women prisoners yeah, who and they're broke sweet. out. I'm kind of like and, rooting for them a lot of the time. Oh, you're supposed to, you know, because they are the voice of the people. You know, they're they're freeing prisoners that are being abused. They they free a bunch of women who were facing, you know, assault and rape and and uh, right. from their their guards. And, and it, it all kind of starts time, with with one of the. Can you say what's the name of like the female elite Wakandan soldiers? Oh, the uh, the Dora Milaje. Yeah, right? so that's what they are originally. Yeah, and then one of them executes some type of Wakandan chieftain, right? Yeah, and in defense of their country, right. they Be- execute someone because the but guy. Then they go well, to prison because isn't it. that guy some type of official within the government of Wakanda? He's an, yeah, he's an official within the government who I think was killing his own people. And I think, he was, I think he was, like, raping people, yeah. women or something. Yeah. And so she decided to just go ahead and execute him. Yeah. Um, and then she was going to be executed for that because even though what he, this guy was doing was wrong, you know, you can't. He was an official. In, in a civilized society, you can't just go around killing people. Yeah. So it's like you kind of see both sides of that. Yeah. But ultimately, well, when she gets rescued by the other Dora Milaje, who turns out to be her lover... You're like rooting for them. You're like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, because I didn't want to see her executed because you see the whole situation of why she assassinated this guy that she killed and you understand it. I mean, I think the whole point of the book is that when you look at political conflict, it's not black and white. Right. You know, there there's complications on both sides. You know, on Black Panther's side, it's showing what, what the weight of being a king is doing to him and doing to his judgment. And he's trying his best to do what he thinks is best for his people, but he's maybe not always getting it right. But at the same time, can anyone get it right when you have that much responsibility and weight on you to protect an entire nation, you know? Um, and I think that's a lot of what it's examining, and I'm so interested to see where it, where it turns out. Uh, but it looks like it is going to get a little bit more accessible maybe in the next few issues because the last page of this issue reveals uh, the return of the crew, which is sort of like this group of like African-American Marvel heroes uh, that had their own short-lived series a while ago, and it looks like they're sort of reuniting. So on the last page, Luke Cage, Storm, Misty Knight, and Manifold all show up to help rescue Black Panther from uh, 
this enemy. So this is the next end of issue, the, that's number six. Yeah, this is the end of number six. So for those people who have felt like Black Panther is maybe a little bit too isolated, there's a whole scene in here where he talks to Tony Stark, and now we've got Storm and Luke Cage and all these other characters kind of stepping in. But I don't think it's still going to turn into tights and fights. Like, clearly this is a very political book. This is a philosophical book. It's meant to be sort of, while it's meant to be exciting and there's lots of action in here, uh, it's also there's very a, smart there's and a lot demands... Of, there's a yeah. lot of talking. Yeah. And I found it fascinating. I wish there were more books like this within the Marvel Universe. It's kind of how I feel like with Batman, those two Batman books. Like, I want the one book that really explores what this world is. And I want one book where people are fighting and joking, you know? Like, I think that it needs balance. And this is really balancing a lot of my sort of comic appetite right now with a lot of stuff that really makes me think about you know, not only what's happening in our world right now, but sort of like the consequences of uh, what happens in a world that works the way the Marvel Universe does. Cool. Um, so if you're if you're into that kind of thing, yeah. if you want more philosophy and political talk, uh, check I'm, out Black Panther because it's great. I'm on the fence about if I'm into that kind of. I mean, yeah, I am into and it. And that's fair. It's not for everybody because I don't want to sound like an idiot, but. <laughs> it's, like it's not my first choice of what to read, but right after right. It, it, and it, I'll be honest, it actually took me a couple, a couple cracks at it to kind of get into it and get hooked on the story. Mm-hmm. The first time I read through it, I was just kind of like getting pissed off, like oh everybody's just talk standing around talking about whatever their stupid country. But I kind of went <laughs> then I went back to the first issue and read it again. I was like okay, Dalton says this is really good. I'm gonna focus. I'm gonna follow the plot. And, you know, I, I just did it little by little, and, and then I kind of really got into it. So it is definitely really good. I, I recommend it, too, for if if you're into something a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, I've just got two other titles I want to give quick shout-outs to. I'm not going to go as in-depth as we did in those last two. Um, Power Man and Iron Fist number 8, written by David Walker, art by Sanford Green and Flaviano, and colors by John Rauch. Uh, David Walker is... Uh, an amazing author or writer right now uh, who did Nighthawk R.I.P. We talked about it at the top of the show. Nighthawk's just been canceled. But is also doing Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, for those that don't know, Power Man is Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist. So if you're a fan of the Netflix TV shows, you should definitely be reading this title because Luke Cage comes out next Friday, the Netflix show, and Iron Fist will be coming out shortly afterwards. So this will give you a good introduction to these characters. Right now, uh, it's focusing on Civil War II. Um but the great thing about Power Man and Iron Fist is that they're kind of the heroes on the street. You know, they're, they are heroes for hire. And right now, this arc is taking a crack at uh, wrongful imprisonment of people of color and people who are just trying to get their lives back together. Um, and it's it's sort of a pretty powerful statement while also being a really funny book. Like, Power Man and Iron Fist makes me laugh more than any other comic book I think I'm reading right now, other than maybe like Jughead or Squirrel Girl. Um but, and there's tons of fighting, there's action, the art is dynamic, uh, but it's also about you know stuff that matters and you really care about these characters and the struggle that they're going through. Um, he's uh, David Walker is also going to be writing a new book called Occupy Avengers, which is coming out next month, which seems to be sort of... Uh, actually, I have no idea what that book's going to be, but if David Walker's writing it, I'm there because he does a really great job of balancing the political and the important with the fun and the jokes. So like, it's kind of that good middle ground between like your Black Panther and your Deadpool, you know, uh, which is a tough balance to strike. 
And a final just short shout out to Civil War II Gods of War number four. Uh, I just want to call out Dan Abnett. He's been writing this Hercules series for Marvel. Hercules is never a character I thought I would be interested in in the slightest. He's always kind of been a joke for the last few years. And Dan Abnett really did a killer job of humanizing him, making a funny and touching book about Hercules and kind of putting him back in the spotlight. It looks like he's going to be joining the Avengers next month. Mm. Um, Dan Abnett is also writing Aquaman right now, which is supposed to be good. I haven't been reading it. Um, but uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Dan Abnett for really nailing this Hercules story. Uh, and it looks like this is the end of it. I think it ended with Gods of War number four. Um, so uh, be on the lookout for more Dan Abnett books coming out soon. Okay. I want to see what he works on next. Cool. Yeah, I might check that out. All right. So that's it for the comic talk uh, this week. Uh, but Chris, I think you had some other uh, assorted geekery you want to talk about. What's going on? Uh, I've been playing Batman, the Telltale series. I'm interested to hear how that is. I've seen that on the App Store, and Telltale uh, makes some pretty, uh, you know, critically acclaimed games. So yeah, well, like. so here's the thing: is I had seen, I'd, I'd kind of read about it and was skeptical. I was kind of like, I don't know if that really sounds that fun. It sound what I read about it made it sound kind of like those old point and click games that we used to play on the computer. That's sort of what Telltale's style is, is I, I think is kind of the... Yeah, the and it is sort of that in a way. Um, but, so I wasn't really sold on trying it until I actually saw it on the App Store. Mm-hmm. So I got it for iPad and started playing it, and I, yeah. I got hooked pretty fast. Now, good. what I will say is that it runs terribly on iOS. Um, so I would not recommend paying money for that because it t- like the load times, it takes forever crazy uh, like it takes it takes a really long time um, is it for a computer too yeah so it's also on pc and consoles so what i ended up doing was i bought oh, it okay. i bought it again on my ps4 uh, and have been playing it on there and it runs a lot better on there um yeah so i, I i'm pretty hooked on it it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun you get to make a lot of choices about um like you go through a lot of periods where you're playing as bruce wayne Okay. And you, I mean, so far I'm just in the first episode. Which is what everyone wants out of a Batman game. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, you would think that you know that sounds pretty boring, but it's it's a lot more interesting than you than you might think. And okay. it largely, so far, what I've played through, like I said, I'm I'm still in the first episode, and I'm not even all the way through that yet. But there's a lot going on with Bruce funding Harvey Dent's campaign for mayor. Harvey Dent at this point is the DA. Obviously, okay. he's, he's not Two Face yet, right? And he, you know, this this could be considered a spoiler. So if you don't want spoilers for the Telltale series, maybe skip through this a little bit. But basically, what happens at one point is he's having a fundraiser for Harvey at Wayne Manor, and uh, Carmine Falcone shows up, mm-hmm. and. Harvey pulls Bruce aside and is saying, you know, I need this. You know, this guy can help me win. Uh, he can deliver a quarter of the votes that I need to become mayor. This is the necessary evil of politics. And then as Bruce Wayne, you have to start making these decisions about, do you let Falcone stay at Wayne Manor for the fundraiser? Do you shake his hand in front of all the guests? Because he comes up and talks to you and wants to shake your hand. And you have to decide whether or not to shake his hand and how yeah. to treat him and things like that. And it makes you really feel on the spot and feel a lot of pressure because you don't want to let Harvey down, but you also don't want to really rub elbows with Don Falcone, who 
immediately comes off as this kind of sleazy, seedy guy. Yeah. Um, and, and it's so it's really, really interesting, and I'm excited to get more into it. I just haven't had a whole lot of nice. time to play it very much, but I'm enjoying it. And the, the graphics are really interesting. They've kind of designed it in such a way that they want it to look like a living, breathing comic book. And that okay. definitely is done effectively. So um, I think that's probably the issue with the mobile version is that it just um, the, it's so graphically taxing that it just takes right. a long time to load. And I think probably which iPad do you have? Uh, I have an iPad Air two. Okay, me too. So, and and I have a feeling they might even do an update for it that'll fix some of the problems because I was reading yeah. about it online and I. Apparently, I'm not the only one who's having issues. And I think even the PC version has had issues. So I, I think okay. so far what people seem to be saying is that the, it runs best on consoles. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. I mean, if you want to give it a try on your mobile device, you know, go for it. It's still playable. It just it takes a long time to load, and then sometimes it crashes. And I think a lot of that is because it's it's a multi-layered experience where it has to load all these different paths that you can take because that right. like the decisions that you make as you play affect how the game unfolds. So yeah. I think that's part of why it takes a long time to load and they just haven't fully optimized that yet. But sure. definitely recommend that. How much is it? It I believe was $5 for the mobile version and that's just for the first episode. There's two episodes out right now, I believe, and I think they're okay. going to do like 5 or 6. Okay. Um I, I don't know. I lost my thought. It's it's very good. Cool. So that's a recommendation for Batman, the Telltale game. Um, yeah, what else is going on? Uh, I was going to talk a little bit about the new episode, the first episode of Gotham Season 3. But Oh, I, Gotham's back? I know you don't watch it, but I will say... I started watching... I watched the first few episodes of Season 1. It's, it's so... Did not like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I remember talking to you a long time ago when the show was brand new about... I remember mm-hmm. you specifically saying, I don't want to watch young Bruce Wayne burn his hand and cry. Like, have, have Yeah, you, I probably said that. Have you not yeah. watched any more since then? No. Okay. I, I think the last episode I watched was the one where uh, Will Smith's wife pushes the penguin into Gotham River and was like, never come back here again or something. Like Penguin does something to piss her off, and then they like throw him into the river, and he has to like swim away or Gordon, something. I don't Gordon know. Gordon does it. Gordon, okay, yeah, I don't remember. Someone kicks Penguin out of town. Yeah, that's what I remember. Okay, so again, spoilers for Gotham. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for like season ep- season one, yeah, episode yeah. three of Gotham. But or but from here on out, be warned. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Gotham very frequently. Oh, okay. So yeah, <laughs> that that just now wasn't a big deal because it's like the first or second episode of season one. So yeah. Um, but has it been good? Okay, so the it season two it improved. It did get better in season two. Okay. It's still not the show that I wanted it to be when it was announced. But I feel like Daredevil is the Batman show I want. And you, I've told you that before. You keep saying that. Well, I wanted to say it on air. I wanted to say it on the record. Yeah. That Daredevil on Netflix is the Batman show that I want. Yeah. Um But I would say if you have any interest in giving it another shot, you could pretty easily just jump into season three. I mean, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't worry about it. Like, I mean, the first two seasons, I think it's been trying to find its footing. And I think there were definitely a lot of really great moments in season two. But if you want to, if you want to try episode one of season three, I'd say go for it. Um, and it's honestly, it's almost worth it just, it's almost worth it just for like all the penguin moments. Yeah. It just seemed, uh, I remember when I was watching, just thinking that the, the premise was unsustainable. What do you the, mean? Of like, how do you, in, how do you keep Batman fans hooked by introducing villains and stuff when you're not allowed to have Batman? You know, when like you don't, you you're like you you purposefully have to make sure that these storylines don't resolve because otherwise they don't make sense for Batman. You know, you you can give characters like an origin, but you can't really finish a story with them. It seemed like, and it, then it just seemed like they were just cramming every Batman villain they could into the show. Like I just heard about like every Batman villain in the world was getting introduced. Yeah. And it was like, and and it seemed like they were doing it because they didn't, they didn't know what the show was. Like, how do you sustain a show about Batman without Batman? You know? Yeah, that's, and I think there's ways to do it. It just seemed to me when I was watching it that they didn't know how to do it. Yeah, and what I always wanted them to do was focus more on the organized crime aspect of Gotham City, and not instead of like the wacky supervillains. And yeah, not start trying to kind of jump into like, here's how Scarecrow was made, and yeah, here's the Joker maybe. You know, <laughs> it's just yeah. like constantly they're throwing out these new meta humans and stuff like that. Um, so those are never my favorite moments. My favorite moments are always the penguin ones. And mm-hmm. watching that character grow and develop has been so satisfying that I, I can overlook so much of the rest of the stuff that I haven't liked. But just this first episode of season three, we see some really excellent penguin moments. We see some good, uh, a, a really good scene between Penguin and the Riddler, which is another one of the characters that's been consistent in the show and has been really good. Yeah, he was in like episode one, and like you see him, and you're like, "Oh, there's the Riddler." Yeah, yeah, and he has developed uh, very significantly since you saw him at the beginning of the first season. He's to the point now where he's totally bad, bad to the bone. He's okay. locked up in Arkham, um, and he has developed kind of a friend through season two. He developed a friendship with Penguin. And I was actually really frustrated in season two because all through season one, we watch Oz, little Oswald Cobblepot trying to climb his way up to being a crime lord. And then yeah. he finally gets there at the end of season one. And then season two, he just like falls completely back down to the bottom. And it was just like really frustrating because he was the character I was the most invested in. But yeah. it's pretty clear that he's going to become a major player again in season three. And um, I don't know. I'm I'm excited. A lot of the stuff they're doing, I don't particularly like. But um, it's honestly, it's worth it to me just for the penguin stuff. Uh, Jim Gordon is kind of fun. They've made him a bounty hunter now because he's off the police force, and his okay. his entire trajectory on the show has just been up and down. Like now yeah. he's the famous beloved cop, and now he's disgraced, and now he's got to go work in Arkham, and now he's off the force. But yeah, <laughs> I feel like the more I'm talking about it, the more you're like, oh, I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> I mean, you're reminding me that I'm excited to be able to talk about Luke Cage next week. <laughs> okay, fair enough. 
Or maybe in two weeks, I guess it comes out. Well, yeah, I probably want to watch it by next week. I was going to sell you by talking about the awesome stuff first and then talk about the stuff that I don't like, but you're clearly I, I not do, sold, so now I don't well, want to even I do talk see about how, the stuff that I hate. <laughs> I do see how the rise of Penguin could be a cool story because I feel like when we meet Penguin in the Batman universe, he's like sort of this powerful crime boss, yeah. even though he's like this awkward little shit. Yeah. And so like there is a story there of like how did this awkward little shit turn into one of the most powerful crime bosses in Gotham. And I feel like that's a show. And I feel like that's a show without shoehorning in, you know, every other villain. Yeah, know, like I said, I wish they publicity. would have just focused more yeah. on the Falcone crime family and the Maronis and then, like, Penguin trying to kind of, like, screw with them and and throw them out of power. And then on the side, we get a little bit of, like, baby Bruce Wayne stuff. And that could have been the whole show right there, and I'd still be watching. I want no baby Bruce Wayne. I want to see his parents get killed, and then he's out of the show. Oh, see, I like it though. I wish they'd. I. I just. I wish they'd handle it a little bit better because I feel the same way about kind of about Batman as what you just said about the Penguin. It's like we always see Batman, and he's just this fully realized nightmare of a superhero with these yeah. incredible skills in terms of combat and in terms of his mastery of technology, but we never or at least not very often do we get an interpretation of the character where it actually goes into how did he get this way? And I always wanted to see that. I wanted to see his character development. I wanted to see where did he learn to fight and all this kind of stuff. I'm hoping we'll get more of that in this season because it's been pretty lukewarm so far. I guess to me, it's just more like baby Anakin. And you don't have to tell me about the midi-chlorians. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff, in the first season especially was a little bit over the top like him burning his hand and crying yeah um but also part of the show a big part of the show now is hugo strange and all of these monsters that he's created because hugo strange in season two basically was running this uh sort of on like off the radar underground laboratory underneath some kind of toxic waste site called Indian Hill. And he was Mm -hmm. doing these experiments to try to figure out how to bring people back from the dead. And by the end of season two, he's figured out how to do it and he's doing it and he's bringing people back and he's giving them uh, identities. Like he has to, when they come back to life, he has to reprogram their brains because they don't Mm -hmm. remember anything. They don't remember who they are. And so I actually think it's a pretty clever way albeit a slightly lazy one, but still a pretty clever way to start introducing villains and, and rewrite some of their origins. Like, for right. instance, the Mad Hatter. You know, why does he mm-hmm. think he's the Mad Hatter? Well, it's because Hugo Strange brought him back from the dead and told him he was the right. Mad Hatter. It's also starting to seem like maybe this Night of the Monster Men story is a little bit of a tie-in to the Gotham. Could be. Season three, you know, maybe a little bit of a corporate synergy promo kind of thing going there with Hugo Strange creating these monsters that are attacking Gotham. Right, which I feel like would be enough in itself because at the end of season two, there's a van that's leaving Indian Hill full of a bunch of monsters. I'm not going to get into the whole background of that, but basically they escape, so they're just loose in Gotham now. And that could have been the whole premise for season three, but they're also doing this whole Court of Owls thing, which so far does not seem very good or true to the comics. So I'm a little like meh about that. And it looks like they're going to turn Barbara Keene into Harley Quinn, which I'm also really against, but it looks like they're doing it. So 
So those are the those are the lousy things in, that are coming in <laughs> season three. But I think the penguin stuff is going to be really good. And I would I would say just like watch, do just do me a big favor and just watch the first episode of season three. And if you hate it, then mm. don't watch anymore. But I have a feeling that the penguin scenes will be so captivating that you might want to see some more. We'll see. You can clockwork orange me when I come back to Michigan. Oh, I'm going next to. Week. I have every intention. <laughs> Speaking of which, I didn't watch it, but apparently Ghost Rider showed up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last week. Okay. And not just Ghost Rider, but the new Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider. So I think that's really cool. I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but... I don't watch it either, and I don't know... have Ghost Rider on I don't there. know anything about Ghost Rider. Ah, he's sweet. Meh. Maybe if his series comes back, I'll have you check it out. When you say Ghost Rider, I just think of Nick Cage. Yeah. Yeah, fuck Nick Cage. <laughs> I mean, I love Nick Cage, but like... Do you, though? Yeah. I think I do. <laughs> all right. I think that's all the time we have for uh, this week. I'm pretty much obsessed. We will be coming to you next week. I know usually we're bi-weekly, but we're going to be making an effort to do it weekly. And uh, Yeah, I was going to announce that at the beginning, but maybe it's better that, I don't know, if we want to set the expectation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll talk to you guys next week. We'll be talking about... Uh, It'll be probably a little bit shorter episode because we'll have half as many comics to talk about as we normally do. Um, but uh, oh, we're gonna try would, to bring this to you weekly. I wouldn't make any promises. I'm sure I can. Yeah, I'm sure I can come up with things to talk about. <laughs> all right. Um, so until next week, this is pretty much obsessed. Uh, all the books we talked about. Go to your local comic shop. Check out the ones you thought were interesting. Uh, tweet at us at uh, at PMOS, PMO. PM obsessed. PMOS? PM obsessed. PM obsessed. And uh, let us know what books you're reading, what you want us to talk about. If there's anything else you want us to discuss, uh, we'll answer your questions live on air. uh, Yeah. If you send them. Because that's the Uh, thing. So thanks, guys. Uh, We'll see you next week. Bye.